Hey everyone, I'm Thanos Davelis, and welcome back to The Greek Current, a podcast by the Hellenic American Leadership Council and Kathy Merini, where we highlight the top stories of the day every afternoon with analysis from guest experts, policymakers, journalists, and health staff. The Russia-NATO crisis over Ukraine is putting Turkey's balancing act between Moscow and the West into renewed focus. Because it's a NATO country, and because Russia has been building a strategic relationship with Ankara since 2016 to counter NATO on missile defense, Turkey's decisions are going to be watched carefully in Moscow, Washington, and Brussels, should the Ukraine-Russia crisis escalate. Ambassador Mark Pirini joins the Greek Current to explain why a military escalation in and around Ukraine would endanger Turkey's relationship with Russia, impair its participation in NATO operations, or possibly both. Mark Pirini is a visiting scholar at Carnegie Europe, where his research focuses on developments in the Middle East and Turkey from a European perspective. Prior to this, Pirini was a career EU diplomat and served as EU ambassador to Turkey from 2006 to 2011. Ambassador Pirini, welcome back on The Greek Current. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Ambassador, over the last years, Turkey has made a political choice to strike a balance between NATO and the West and its new strategic links with Moscow. Is the Russia-NATO crisis over Ukraine a critical test for this policy? It could be. It is not at this particular point in time, in the sense that we are in the midst of a flurry of diplomatic exchanges, and we've seen Turkey side fully with NATO in declarations, statements, and even when the Turkish president made an interview that was fully compatible with what NATO and the United States have said. But this is the narrative stage. If things get more complicated, that is, if there is a real war, Turkey will find itself in a much more complicated relation with NATO and with Russia at the same time. Washington, Moscow, and Brussels will then be watching to see what Turkey does in the event that this crisis escalates. In your view, what choices does Turkey have? Well, we have to go back to answer the question to the summer of 2016, right after the coup attempt had failed in July. We remember that the first visit that the Turkish president made was to St. Petersburg to meet with the Russian president. And that was the beginning of a conversation on missile defense. Probably at that time, the Turkish president thought of simply defending public buildings against his own air force, because after all, that was the striking feature of this failed coup. For the first time, the Turkish air force had attacked public buildings, parliament, the presidential palace, and so on. Only three years later, in 2019, we've seen S-400 missile system delivered to Turkey. And that has, since then, been a very serious problem for NATO missile defense architecture. So if the crisis in Ukraine was to develop into a war, essentially what you would have is a situation where NATO cannot rely entirely on Turkey, certainly not on Turkish bases, because you have Russian missiles with presumably, very presumably, some degree of connection of the Russian Air Force to these systems, and that would hamper NATO's efficiency. If you look at the very intense air traffic that is going on right now, from Sicily, from the UK, from Greece, by the US Air Force and US Navy, in terms of surveillance, air intelligence, you see that all these flights carefully avoid Turkish territory. You haven't heard anybody talking of U.S. assets, Air Force assets, being based uh, in Turkey in this crisis. They're based in Greece. They're based in 
Western Europe in general. They're based now in Romania as well. So you have a sort of indirect effect of the missile deal between Turkey and Russia, which is now being tested, if you want, in the sense that there is a lower degree of reliability. Now, what would happen? Well, essentially, as long as the crisis remains at declaratory level, Turkey is relatively comfortable because it can prove its loyalty to NATO, can by the same token score bonus points with Washington in order to restore a very difficult relationship. And it doesn't upset too much Russia. As we know, Turkish armed drones have been delivered to the Ukrainian Air Force. They've been used on one strike, which was criticized very heavily by Moscow, but no more than that. Now, if we have conflict, obviously the Ukraine Air Force will use these drones because they are efficient, they are combat-proven, combat-proven in Syria, they're combat-proven in Libya, combat-proven in Nagano-Karabakh, so they'll be used. The current inventory is relatively small. There is a stock of ammunition, but probably not for a long protracted conflict. So immediately, or not immediately, but after a few weeks, you would see the need to resupply. And therefore, Turkey would find itself in the same situation as the U.S. or the U.K. at the moment, providing weapons to Ukraine. And that would, in a way, destroy its very carefully crafted policy of being friendly with both sides. And that is a problem for Turkey. So what Turkey will do is one thing, but what will NATO members be expecting out of Turkey in these situations? Well, if you hear U.S. officials, including the Assistant Secretary of State for Europe a couple of days ago in a public event, so far, Turkey's position is absolutely impeccable. You have absolutely perfect unanimity on declarations. That is expected to continue. The difficulty is what the Russian reaction will be, because in the next steps that you can envisage right now, what you have is the U.S. saying dialogue continues. Normandy format says we'll meet in a couple of weeks. President Macron today says we'll continue the discussion, so does the Kremlin. And President Erdogan says a war is not the solution. Turkey is ready to do whatever it takes to mediate or accommodate discussions and so on, even ready to go to Kiev, apparently. So all of that is fine. It theoretically provides Turkey with sort of leverage on the crisis or a sort of intermediation role, if you will. The problem is twofold. One is why would Russia accept an intermediation role from Turkey while this crisis puts the Russian president in direct touch with the U.S. president and with the whole of NATO. So that's one issue. You have a sort of issue of political standing, if you want, in this crisis. And the second thing is that within NATO, everybody knows that in previous crises, in previous wars, in previous military operations, NATO has had to accommodate different views, different positions, different capabilities from its members. Remember the NATO operation on Libya, 2011. Turkey participated in the declarations. When it came to operations, Turkey participated 
in the naval blockade and the air blockade, never participated in combat. Remember ISAF in Afghanistan, that lasted almost 20 years. Many NATO countries were there, Turkey was there, and Turkey was there with two pillars, participating in command and control, participating in training, never participating in combat. So if the crisis develops, not going from diplomacy to combat, but going through different phases, for example, increasing patrols in the Black Sea, naval patrols, increasing patrols over the Black Sea, over Ukraine, will the Turkish Navy fully participate. That, of course, will be the will of NATO. And will Turkey judge the reaction of Russia to that? We don't know. So, you know, it's fine so far, once again, but as the crisis develops, God forbidding, into something more serious, it will become increasingly problematic. You write in your piece, Ambassador Pirini, that we could soon be seeing Turkey associating itself to NATO sanctions and operations, and you hinted at that just now in your answer. How do you think that the Kremlin is likely to counter any such moves from the part of Turkey? Because we've seen Russia successfully use Turkey in the past to score points against NATO, such as with the sale of the S-400s. Absolutely. Well, the main involvement of Turkey in further steps taken by NATO could be, as I mentioned, involvement in naval and air patrols. That's one thing. The next involvement doesn't depend so much on Turkey, but first and foremost on Ukraine and on the type of kinetic operations that you would eventually see. That is, would the type of attacks that would come into Ukraine make the use of armed drones necessary or not? There are different configurations of combat where they are very useful, very efficient. There are other configurations of combat where they're less useful. So that will be a choice made by Ukraine military. But if Turkish-made drones will be used, that of course will be a Ukraine decision. But after a little while, you'll have a very serious problem of resupply and maintenance. And that is a Turkish problem, of course. And that is when, I would suspect, Russia would say, hey, what are we doing here? Are we uh, working together in Syria and elsewhere, or missile defense, or are we enemies? So that will be the question Russia will, will ask Turkey. And then, as we've seen before, in the various episodes about the involvement in Syria, you could have retaliation from Russia in economic terms, preventing Russian tourists to go to Turkey. Very important at this point, because it's a lot of people and a lot of money involved. Stopping imports of uh, Turkish agricultural goods, Turkish contractors working in Russia, or, if worse come to worse, creating alternative trouble in northeastern Syria. Ambassador Pirini, thanks for joining us again on The Greek Current and for this analysis. Thank you for having me. In other news, Cyprus has all the ingredients to be a credible and reliable partner for the United States in maintaining stability and security in the region, Cypriot Foreign Minister Ioannis Kasoulidis said on Friday. Kasoulidis said that bilateral relations with the U.S. have grown by leaps and bounds since 2013. In a statement ahead of his meeting with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Kasoulidis said the improvement in relations culminated in a law that the U.S. Congress passed in 2019 lifting its embargo on non-lethal defense materiel and services. The Cypriot foreign minister said bolstering Cyprus's position as an agent of regional stability are its advanced networks of cooperation with neighboring countries including Israel, Jordan, and Egypt. 
Finally, members of parliament began a three-day debate on Friday evening on a censure motion brought by main opposition Syriza against the government over its handling of the snowstorm earlier in the week. The debate, expected to conclude around 8 p.m. on Sunday, will be followed by a roll call vote. The censure motion was tabled on Thursday by Syriza leader Alexis Tsipras, who said that a series of crises like the pandemic, price hikes, and snowstorm management prove that Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis and his government are ineffective and dangerous for the country. The motion is unlikely to pass as ruling New Democracy holds a comfortable majority of 157 seats in the 300-member parliament. The motion would require an absolute majority to pass. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.